the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Today we have special guest Greg Shanahan joining me in the studio. Welcome along, Greg. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Now... You head up the TIN Network, yes. Technology Investment Network, yes. actually. Sorry, I've put a double double N there and yep. completely messed it up. No. Um, before we get started, tell people what is the Technology Investment Network and what is this TIN report that you've recently released? So the TIN report uh, is a report on New Zealand's largest um, globally focused technology companies in the area of ICT high-tech or high-value manufacturing and biotechnologies. So these are companies that have originated in New Zealand and um, have offshore revenue or quote-unquote exports of at least 10% of their revenue. So they're companies that are taking Kiwi uh, ideas and solutions to the world. Fantastic. And the TIN report, um, essentially, so we curate that community through uh, publications. Every year we produce a large report called the... uh, TIN report, as you pointed out, that quantifies the progress of the sector and measures a whole lot of metrics on those companies. So we can really get a barometer of how that sector is going. Um, the data is collected by surveys. So this year, uh, we surveyed just under a 1,000 companies uh, compared to, say, 70 companies that we surveyed in 2005 when we started the report. Wow, so things have, things have come a long way over, over those uh, the last decade and a half. They certainly have. Yeah. yeah, that's that's great, and and the numbers are are you know really really impressive, right? So let let's delve into that a little yeah. bit. Let's let's get started because what I want to do with this episode of the show, we haven't uh, we haven't done a segment on the tin report uh, yeah. before, but I guess as I've got a little bit familiar with uh, mm. with technology investment uh, mm. over the over the last little while, mm. um, you know, particularly working working with uh, tin as a mm-hmm. as a customer of Gorilla, mm. um, and uh, and starting to get to know yourself and a few mm. of the folks. Um, um, it, it has really stood out to me how important it is that we start looking at our successes and drilling in and learning from uh, from from those successes. And I think you know the success actually of our of our tech sector, and particularly when you look at it in yeah. terms of an from an export um, perspective, um, I think has probably snuck up on people. I think mm. a lot of people will be surprised mm-hmm. at, at just how uh, strong New Zealand is as a tech exporter. And I saw the headline in the Herald uh, last week uh, talking and, and calling out what you had highlighted, mm. which is if the the growth that the tech, tech exports um, have had to date mm. continues, mm. and I think you've said it's what two out of the last three years uh, we've seen a billion dollars yes. worth of growth yes. uh, in export from yes. from our top yes. uh, tech companies. Yeah. So the um, combined revenues for the top two hundred companies um, for three out of the past four years have been. Um, over a billion dollars, um, and where does that position us take right now versus uh, tourism, tourism and and dairy, which are the the top two, right? Yeah, so um, it positions um, 
uh, in terms of uh, revenue from outside of New Zealand, it was just under $9 billion. Uh, tourism was uh, around $11 billion. Um, and uh, dairy was around about 15. So only $2 billion um, under tourism. So even for an Irish mathematician such as myself, had a billion dollars a year within two years of the tourism sector flatlines as it did last year, then um, will be at least equivalent to tourism. But the scope is that what we're seeing and for many companies is exponential growth. So unlike dairy, uh, this growth is not resourced uh, constraint um, in terms of land use or other factors. Uh, the most significant things that we've got to do to continue the, the growth is to latch more deeply into the talent pools within New Zealand and continue to get the uh, growth in investment that the sector is currently seeing. Yeah, and look, it's it's not that we want to see the uh, the dairy industry or the tourism, you know, uh, sector slow down because you know that that stuff's good for New Zealand as long yes. as uh, things are kept in balance in terms of how we look after you know our incredible and beautiful country. Um, but there is certainly that that potential within within a short space of time within the next five years. It's quite possible that tech could be our number one exporter. Oh, as a absolutely, um, and I, and. Um Every year the data uh, becomes stronger to indicate that in terms of what we're seeing, particularly this year, and I've seen a growing trend, is we're getting actual critical mass. So this is now a thing. Um, it's a major force. Uh, there are three companies uh, with revenues over a billion dollars, Fish and Paykel Healthcare, um, to celebrate their 50th uh, anniversary past a, a billion dollar threshold. Fantastic. There are over 50 companies with revenues um, over 50 million, um, something like eight with revenues over 200 million. So increasingly, um, it's defined by a lot of large companies. And then at the bottom, the pyramid is, is uh, expanding. So the number of startups uh, continues to grow. Um, so there's nothing about it that's saying this growth will slow down anytime soon. Mm. Now, I'll just put this in there because I meant to include it at the top of the mm. show. Um, yeah. This Friday, I'm, I'm doing a little uh, a little talk for any of our uh, listeners and, and viewers because we're also uh, live streaming this on, on one or two channels. Um, I'll be uh, doing the keynote at the PwC Herald mm -hmm. Talks. Now, the title of that is the tech revolution and where that really ties into uh, the TIN report mm -hmm. is that I think that the the TIN 200 you know mm -hmm. shows us just mm -hmm. how how well our technology companies are doing mm -hmm. but on the flip side what I see is that a lot of our non-tech companies mm -hmm. are you could say um uh, far too non-tech for, for their own good. <laughs> so, you know, often what I'm seeing is as uh, my team are doing audits mm. of uh, yeah, smaller to medium New Zealand businesses mm. is that uh, the, the technology that we're actually using is leaving us, uh, you know, behind the eight mm. ball and, and not in the ideal position. So anyone that wants to hear a little bit about that and how we can be applying the same you know, punching above our weight success yes. that we're seeing on an export front uh, in the tech sector to the rest of our businesses. Yeah. Uh, that that's happening Friday morning at that breakfast event. So, uh, little shout out for the the PwC uh, Herald Talks event. Awesome. Um, but getting getting back to uh, to the tin report, yeah. Greg. Um, maybe you can talk to us about 
the regions because yeah. the New Zealand Tech Podcast, you know, although I live in Auckland today, and so you know, most often I, you know, um, that that's I guess what I get the the, the closest view on. Um, spending most of my my year here, yeah. um, you know, but I grew up, uh, you know, most of my time in the South Island, and I'm yeah. very interested, and I think our audience is interested in knowing well. You know how are we doing as a whole, as a country? Yeah, I um, we spoke um, previously about this. I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that uh, New Zealand has a shot at utopia, which sounds like a pretty naive thing to say. Um, but essentially, we're a pretty small economy, and so it doesn't require a very large stone to make a big splash and change things fundamentally. So. That applies to the regions. So the exciting thing for those listening to this outside of Auckland is the growth isn't limited to Auckland. In fact, some of the strongest strongest growth figures are coming from outside of Auckland, places like um, Dunedin, Otago and Southland, uh, like Wellington, um, uh, and, and uh, increasing growth in Canterbury. So across the country, there's a democracy of opportunity. Uh, um, and that's because... Uh, talent is everywhere. So if you can democratise the opportunity to expose it to the talent that's in our country, no one cares where that talent resides or who they are. That's right. I guess what we're seeing is the whole world is getting you know, flatter in a sense and, and certainly you know, New Zealand from that perspective of being able to work from anywhere and we have such good connectivity here in mm. New Zealand that you don't have to actually be sitting uh, in an office at HQ and so on or you don't have to actually have your business based in uh, a large centre anymore. You you can you know literally do this stuff from anywhere, and we've got businesses from you know all the places you mentioned, yes. Wanaka yeah. and 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 all over. Whereas in the past you you wouldn't expect to see uh, you know an, an exciting uh, you know tech exporter being being based in some of these locations. But actually, mm. uh, I was talking to somebody about Wanaka the other day, and they said, "Boy, sign me up if there's a job going in, <laughs> in a place like that." Um, um, yeah. I would love to get out of the rat race and enjoy and enjoy that lifestyle and you know beautiful New Zealand yeah. and um, you know and, and still specialise and, and do an incredible job from uh, from that part of the, the country. Yeah, if you look at a company like Shuttle Rock um, that's involved in digital media based in Nelson or Magic Memories in Queenstown or Straker with their office in Gisborne. Um, or Mackay uh, Engineering based up in um, Whangarei. So these are highly ambitious companies going global. And so the benefit that they have is that the lifestyle for their employees in these locations, as it is for all of us in New Zealand, is incredible. So, so I think it's not a case so much of New Zealand um, trying to bring itself up to the levels of offshore, but coming to understand that we actually have huge advantages here um, that can't be achieved in other countries for some of those things. So um, we've got an unparalleled quality of life. Um, we're a diverse nation, so accepting women or migrants or Māori, Pacifica, Indigenous people in, in, into the workforce is, is, is not an issue. Uh, we welcome um, diversity. Um, and there's an enormous amount of transparency in New Zealand that doesn't exist in uh, larger societies. Um, and, the, and there's a, a directness around our communication and an integrity as being part of a small society that actually gives us 
um, incredible advantages in terms of cost-effectively developing solutions. Um, and on the, uh, on the marketing side, uh, becoming trusted quite quickly uh, by offshore customers. Yeah, oh, that's, that's very cool. What, you mentioned um, transparency there. Yeah. Why, why is New Zealand um, you know, stand out in those regards? I think that's just a, a sort of small culture. Everybody knows each other, um, and so therefore you don't. There's no fogginess about generally what our intent is. And if you look at the language, kinds of language we use um, compared to other countries, um, so if you look at in a de- development um, uh, environment, there's the um, the rule of uh, the two pizza rule that Google have. In other words, they don't want a development team that it takes more than two pizzas to feed. Mm. And so once you get beyond that, you get inefficiencies. And so for most companies, they actually can't afford to feed more than people, <laughs> to, to <laughs> enough people to eat two, two pizzas. So it's kind of a sweet spot in terms of speed of development. And sectors replete with stories uh, of companies that have done uh, developments for a fraction of the cost that their larger competitors might have done. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think you're right. Mm. I've certainly, you know, heard heard those things, mm. and there, there's there's very much, uh, you know, and uh, just a, a get it done and, and yeah. can do attitude here in New Zealand, and there, there's there's something special about our small organisations that can, you know, go out and do amazing things while there might be a, you know, big big business in another part of the world uh, that's struggling with exactly that thing. And yeah, I've spoken a little bit about uh, Rocket Lab recently, yep. but I think Rocket Lab is, is, is an incredible example. And, you know, Peter Beck with, you know, just his dedication, his tenacity, his, uh, you know, futurist and, and, and tech... Um, uh, revolutionary sort of mindset has you know has really looked ahead uh, you know over quite a number of years and now we're in this position where you know what they're doing is mind-blowing you look around the world there's dozens if not you know hundreds of other companies mm. uh, trying to uh, get rockets up into into space yes and uh, you know there, there's rocket lab just uh, doing know, going it. away and, uh, and and doing it very successfully and now you know iterating on that and and working out how to do it better and faster and 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 cheaper yet they you know they're already leading the world. Oh, absolutely. And so I think the great thing about New Zealand, and if you look at the tin companies, is ambition and success is contagious. So that people are looking at guys like Peter Beck or what Rod Drury did with Zero and, and other companies and saying, well, we can do that too. Um, and I think the other advantage that live an environment like New Zealand gives is you've got clarity of thought. Um, so we lead a simpler life and so we can come up with creative uh, solutions. There's all sorts of data in terms of sociological or psychological data that points out that stress is an inhibitor of creativity. So we have the freedom to think about these things, not whether or not, uh, whether or not there's going to be a gunman at the school of our children or if uh, the guy at the bus stop is actually high on something. Um, issues around personal safety and security and trust are not major issues uh, in, in New Zealand in the way that they might be in other societies. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's um, that's actually yeah, it's an interesting thought. I hadn't really drilled into that aspect, mm. but uh, you know, when I look at our lifestyle, and I, I remember quite a few years ago, a friend coming back to New Zealand from Lo- from London, mm. and we were in Auckland, which yeah, it's the biggest city mm. I've I've lived in in New Zealand. And yeah. yeah, I've been you know spent a little bit of time in other other cities around the world. He's saying, oh, Paul, it's such a slow pace here. I could never live here, uh, and uh, you know. Now with that with that mindset, yeah. you know, where it might be a little bit slower to New York or London, yeah. but actually that that brings a, a huge benefit, doesn't it? In oh, terms absolutely. of you know the the hours that people sort of spend commuting and so on, it, it, it certainly becomes a, uh, a a whole lot easier. And and just you know the, the the lifestyle in New Zealand, you're never too far from you know some gorgeous beaches, water you can uh, use, or mountains to climb and and so on, right? And, and you would have uh, it's got to have an absolutely, impact. and you would have. Thought and not to be complacent or, or or gloating that in a lot of the areas that New Zealand companies are succeeding in the major markets, particularly in the United States, this is mission central stuff. And someone else would have eaten that lunch long before they turned up. So if you looked at um, digital media as an example, so the companies um, in our report are enjoying phenomenal growth, approaching combined revenues of about a billion dollars. And on the production end, you've got uh, Weta Digital, you know, one of the top four FX companies uh, in the world. And then on the distribution end, you've got uh, Vista Group, which is number one in multi-cinema entertainment complex management solutions globally. Yeah, I mean, so that, it's that, like that's bracketed an, an, the whole an, thing. Incredible story, isn't yeah. it? Um, Vista, and you know, n- another mention there. If you are interested in, in hearing about some of these companies, Vista is is one of the ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, as is is Rocket Lab, and, and a bunch more on the New Zealand Business Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, those stories are just it's just so inspiring to you know hear them. And when when they're broken down, mm-hmm. um, you know it's like oh. Oh, this you know, it just, it just it it seems like just normal normal everyday things happening. But yeah. you you put um, you put that that kiwiness into the the picture, um, the tenacity, the the creative thinking, and and all of those bits and pieces that come together and are uniquely New Zealand. And obviously, some incredibly you know talented and hardworking individuals. But then, you know, over. You know, a, a reasonably short space of time, you end up with these uh, these the, these incredible global successes. Yeah, I, I think that, and you, I guess we're, we're fortunate in, in terms of we're sort of Goldilocks zone for doing the stuff that's you know not of our own own making. Um, but you know, I think one of the key advantages historically uh, that New Zealand has had is that we've had to use um, technology to overcome poor economies of scale. Um, and that's probably uh, no more evident than in the, the fintech sector where um, you know, we pioneered use of automatic uh, uh, telemachines, ATMs, and, and internet payments and online transactions because we didn't have the overhead of massive number of branches across the country for the small population. It didn't make sense. So we've been very good at creating efficiencies in terms of customer service or business management or or agriculture or production, simply because we didn't have the numbers in terms of the economy and we didn't have um, large pools of very cheap labour. So New Zealand companies have turned to technology uh, before their competitors overseas to solve those problems, which is why the tech sector um, in terms of uh, in the agritech space 
um, you know, stand to be a real boon and is a real boon um, for the agricultural sector. What are the other sectors that are you know have been exciting? What's what's the report shown in terms of the uh, other areas where we're really uh, you know doing well with with technology? So um, the in terms of new sectors, um, the the two that I mentioned, fintech and um, and um, digital media, have uh, been really key. Um, but at, at the higher end, so um, uh, healthcare or health health tech. Um, it's now the number one sector and we've again got a growing stable of companies there and so we spoke about Fisher and Paykel uh, Healthcare. They set an example for the rest of the sector in terms of the benefits of recurring revenue. So 90% of their revenue um, comes from existing, com- com- uh, existing customers. So it's the same model pretty much or similar model as adopted by Zero and other companies with software as a service. So the certainty, the ability to raise debt, your forecasting, um, your spend on marketing, it costs six times as much money to acquire a new customer as it does to keep it. All of that logic plays through, so it plays the strengths of, of a New Zealand company. But behind uh, uh, Fisher and Paykel um, Healthcare are companies like um, uh, Douglas Pharmaceuticals, AFT, Aurora, um, Arands, um, Atlantis Healthcare. In fact, if you start your company with an A, I think it's a very good idea to be in the health, healthcare sector. And so we're seeing within these high growth sectors, it's not one company, it's a whole stable of companies coming through. And we're doing some really cool stuff uh, in the healthcare sector. And so I think that the next step, and I've, I work with, a, uh, I've started a company in the healthcare sector, so it's total self-promotion. But um, the, I think, the stage is ripe for New Zealand companies to take out large chunks of major markets as opposed to necessarily playing on the fringes. That doesn't mean to say you have to commoditize yourself, but looking at large addressable markets and finding an unfair advantage and solving that problem with uh, technology, but using the sort of the Kiwi way in terms of the way that we give service um, to retain and, and grow that customer base. I think the world's really ripe uh, with opportunities in that area. Yeah, I agree. And um, gaming is an area where we, we've we've seen this rise as well. I mean, it's quite small in the yes. in the overall scheme of your total report. I think yeah. maybe it's around one one percent off the yep. uh, top of my yeah between one and two percent. Yeah, um, but we're seeing some really really strong uh, growth there. Yeah, so, I mean, Grinding Gear Games um, is probably the most... Who knew of Grinding Gear Games before they were bought? But a hugely uh, successful companies, um, companies like uh, Pickpock, uh, Ninja Kiwis, Cerebral Fix, there's a growing number, and so there's increasing examples of companies that have actually become quite successful and quite profitable. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to sharing some more of those stories on mm. on, on future episodes because, yeah, often it, it, it goes unnoticed what's actually uh, what's actually going on. But there's some ama- some amazing uh, stories and inspiration. I think there are a lot that we can learn from uh, from you know those those that have been there and and done there that, but not 
um, you know, I, I guess what I, f- I find most interesting are those that are that are doing it sort of right now. That you yeah. know, it's it's good to hear the stories of of companies that had their success ten mm. or twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, but I often I often think because things move so quickly, Absolutely. the most valuable are those those new the and those, those fresh stories or the ones where they're they're part way on their journey. Oh, absolutely. And um, so if you take that within the, the tin perspective, so we have a group called the EY 10 Companies to Watch. So these are the 10 companies with the highest dollar value revenue growth. And um, you thought, well, that's kind of unfair because it favours a bigger company. So if I'm a company turning over, you know, a billion dollars and I grow by 1% or 10%, whatever, you know, it's quite a big number. Um, but in fact, so those top 10 uh, companies have um, revenues of $4 billion um, and growing about 20% per annum, pretty much all of them, some a lot more. You know, so you're getting companies increasing their revenue by tens of, of uh, millions of dollars. And so they accounted for over 50% of the entire growth. Uh, but then... underneath that um, are companies in the next 100 group which are revenues between um, uh, 3 to 20 million with just a whole swath of uh, new companies coming through some known uh, well known and uh, some not so well known um, that are recording some of the highest growth rates um, that we've seen so companies like Soul Machines um, or um, EasyVet or Howick Limited and Plexure across a real diversity of opportunities. So I think New Zealanders need to understand this is really a thing um, and it's coming to a town near you. And coming back to the point that you made earlier, um, it's engaging with all of our uh, societies. So we, uh, three years ago, started uh, a section uh, prompted by a really smart a uh, woman called Robin uh, Kamira uh, to profile Modi uh, companies in the report. Yeah, this and, is fantastic. And we kind of thought, well, it's a good thing to do. Not, you know, hope it's got longevity. You know, but in in the time that with the three we- year, years that we've been doing that, the number of companies that were profiled pretty much doubled. Uh, last year, the revenue uh, combined revenue of those companies grew by 20%. You've got a growing number of um, aspirational uh, Māori entrepreneurs, um, people like uh, Grant Straker with Tr- Straker Translations. He's listed on the ASX. He's put his office in Gisborne um, to make um, uh, more achievable for his staff to own houses, rejuvenating the local economies. Oh, very, very innovative. Yeah, yeah. hugely yeah. inspirational. Yeah. And so... Yeah. When Tin is not the architect of this, we're just a fan, you know, uh, trying to quantify what's going on. So, you know, the kind of motivation for the Tin reporter is really twofold. Um, One is to quantify the sector Hmm. and say it is a thing. And I kind of think back to the conversations I had before this. I would, you know, you, all of us I think have spoke spoken to people we've met at the family barbecue at Christmas that had no clue. And, and we're actually quite misinformed. So we firstly wanted to make it a, a thing and, and, and quantify it so that people could see if that thing was getting better. And we're fortunate it has. And then the second most important thing is to define what success looks like. Um, because I think there is, uh, 
there's no one path to success, but the confines of where we are and how big we are and all those things, um, there are a lot of commonalities in the success stories of Kiwi companies. And if we can do that and make it transparent and inspire others, it's a, that's a, a good thing. Yeah, so where, where to from here? What, uh, you know, what else um, do we need to be thinking about so yep. that we keep this trajectory? And, and I guess, yep. uh, you know, part of it for me is how do we get our, our next generation yep. coming through to be uh, aware of how, how, you know, exciting and interesting it is to, to mm. work in the tech sector uh, how do we make sure we've got the right sort of folks coming through? Because a, yep. you know, a constant thing I hear is that we don't have enough of the mm. the right sort of uh, the right sort of um, experienced people. And look, th- there's there's probably a whole bunch of reasons for that. Mm. When when things are growing at the scale they're growing at, mm. you you can't always sort of dip into a local pool mm. of people. And I think there are great benefits that we yeah. get as a country from drawing in experts from around the world to join us mm. and those Kiwi expats that have uh, you know, uh, spent time in other parts of the world and then come home and bring you know, incredible expertise having, having worked mm. for some of the, you know, the biggest and, and, and brightest uh, firms in the world mm. and then bringing that home uh, to help grow and, and to move forward our, our local economy. Um, but what, what's on your mind in terms of the, the things we need to do as we, you know, if we, we, we look further out and, and to prepare for that? I think that um, these businesses rely on talent to grow. It's the most important thing. Um, and so New Zealand needs to uh, remain a place where talent uh, wants to live. So addressing issues of any economic or social dislocation uh, or environmental degradation are critical for business um, to be successful. Um, it's far more efficient to tap into local talent pools than external for all the obvious reasons. We're investing a lot of money in these people. Um, and so there's um, certainly um, no lack of uh, or inequalities in terms of talent. There are some inequalities in terms of opportunity. And so the tech sector has to engage in its communities and particularly uh, to attract um, parts of the communities that haven't so far uh, been engaged with that. So particularly in Māori and Pacifica, migrant communities and, and, and more uh, women in, in, the, in the tech sector. What we're looking to do is tend to assist that. It's looking to uh, establish with partners already working in the space and we're not trying to reinvent the wheel or pretend there was a problem that no one was trying to solve, but get young, talented students from particularly decile one schools um, uh, as interns in these high-growth companies um, in the early so year eight or nine before they get too heavily into their teenage years. To, so to change the, their horizons and give them confidence that this is the kind of thing that they would do as opposed to this is not something that we don't do because my brother or my father or my mother hasn't, hasn't done this. Yeah, um, I like that approach. And um, even bypassing, not, not suggesting that they should, but even bypassing tertiary uh, institutions if that, if that was a barrier. And so if we can sidestep those issues and work with the communities 
um, to support that, it's um, I think it's like one, a once in a lifetime, once in a generational opportunity to address entrenched economic disparity. Um, and I think it's, it's achievable. But I also think if you look at tech CEOs, all of us, every Kiwi is concerned about the environment. Um, and so in the way that um, uh, tech companies are an exemplar in terms of the way to run a business, I think they can make a contribution in terms of uh, being custodians for our environment for all the reasons that we've discussed. Yeah. yeah. And so we can achieve a cohesion, uh, which we have already, um, um, not as a society, I think we're incredibly cohesive in a way that doing some extraordinary things that make New Zealand an example for the rest of the world. Um, and that's something I think we all want to be part of. Definitely, I, you know, I think everyone wants to make sure that New Zealand's in a, in a you know, mm. in, a, in a good state and on a long-term basis. And if we can get these things right, then it does, you know, really set us up uh, for our future. But we, we, I guess, we're on that sort of uh, point where we could fall one way or we could fall the other way. And and I guess it's a matter of, well, it's not falling, is it? It's you know, we've got to take the actions that that sets New Zealand up for that really strong future. Uh, and then we, you know, we can we can really deal with some of the challenges that we that we experience right now that we're you know that politicians are sort of drilling in on. Yes. But you know, of course, if we can we can accelerate our, our growth mm. and the revenue coming into the country um, through the the tech genius that we have <laughs> here, uh, you know, it's spread right around the country. If we can really get that right, um, yep. th- those issues that we're trying to to deal with, it's going to be a it's going to be a whole lot uh, easier, you know. Game just changer. imagine if if our economy was to start sliding backwards, oh. it gets a whole lot harder then to be you know, doing things that are right for the environment, addressing Absolutely. some of those, the, those issues, housing and you know poverty type uh, things and, and inequality. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. Mm. Let's, let's keep this stuff moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think. Um uh, and I think people say, oh, you know, the issues why you don't have mi- migrant communities or Māori and Pacifica kids or women in business is quite a complex thing. It is. I'm sure it is. But you've got a whole bunch of companies that are very familiar. You, you talk about expanding and becoming the leader in accounting software globally against massive competitors. It's pretty complex. You know, you put, talk about putting a rocket into space with no um, uh, space industry in New Zealand yeah. or creating a film industry in Wellington, of all places, where um, could be less probably like, well, it used to be less like Hollywood than you could ever imagine. Um, you've got ambitious people who execute well um, and understand the nuances of, of many of these hard problems. So... In many ways, I think if we didn't do this, it would be stealing defeat from the jaws of victory. And we, ha- we as a country, have more opportunity, or a far better chance at, at succeeding with this than you know, most other Western um, countries. And so the exciting thing, I think, about the report, you know, the sector now... Uh, employs those 200 companies alone employ over 50,000 people. The dairy sector in New Zealand employs 40,000 people. So that 50,000 number is global, um, but uh, you know it's it's significant. There's a four billion dollars of wages going back into the economies that those people are employed in. 
Um, so it's already got momentum and uh, making a difference. And so I think, like, you know, the opportunity to discuss this with you um, is is fantastic in terms of, for, I'm grateful for the opportunity in terms of, I think we as a group, I and Tim don't have all the answers. Um, but we as a society have got to say, what does success look like? And what are the things that we've got to execute on to enable that success? Um, because we've got something pretty special here. And I think everyone who's uh, had the opportunity to grow up in New Zealand or come to New Zealand appreciates that. So if we can harness that goodwill, um, yeah, we can do a lot. We can, we can. It's not, uh, it's not all necessarily easy. I think there's a, there's a, there's a hard, a hard road ahead. Um, now, who is it who um, reads the tin report? Who are you trying to get it out to? This is, uh, you know, obviously there's a business behind the tin yeah. report. You don't just, you know, spend the year building it to, uh, um, you know, not do it, not do anything with it. So, what does your business model look like? How yeah, does that work? Yeah, so. Um, our business model is, so the people who read the report, and um, we've been, like a lot of businesses, evolving what our model actually is over time. I think it really started as a work of passion looking for a business model, and uh, probably remains that. Um, but essentially, the as people got transparency over the sectors for stakeholders in the industry, for universities, for government, for legal firms and investors, um, they all buy the report. Um, they all get a horizon on what's what's going on, um, and so it's really a sort of a map or a directory uh, for those people. Um, we and so we sell the report. So anyone um, wanting to buy the report uh, online, just um, uh, go to our website. Just type in and Google Tin One Hundred, and you'll end up there. Um, but we've also got um, a growing franchise with the companies themselves. And so we've started a membership model to engage more deeply with them and making sure that it becomes more transactional rather than um, I'm trying to support TIN. So we provide those companies with a, uh, a lot of profile um, for their involvement um, with um, networking opportunities and, and data that they can argue their own case with regards to their business growth. So we're looking to build out the... That's um, great because the, the networks themselves are incredibly valuable mm. and I think... You know, I've, over the last twenty years, Greg, you've you've built a pretty in- impressive, uh, uh, you know, network across the you know the sector, uh, and I'm I'm sure uh, some of some of those featured in the tin reports have uh, you know have have benefited from uh, from those connections, and and I think it is actually really really important. You know, if we, mm. we step back, uh, you know, a decade or mm. or, or so, um, you know, there would have been entities getting started that just had no idea where to look. Yeah, and that I think you know there, there's a there's a bunch of things that have uh, really developed to create the sort of diverse ecosystem that we have mm. in New Zealand today that supports the startup community, that supports the, the tech community, and you know, helps facilitate the growth that we're, we're now now seeing. And if you pulled all those things away, yeah. we just wouldn't have the same level of success. So it is, you know, it's quite important that we, that we keep developing that. And likewise to the stuff that you're doing, Paul, I mean, I've heard comment that uh, the knowledge wave of 2000 or 2001 when was a waste of time and nothing good's happened since. Um, you know, New Zealand 
um, today compared with 20 years ago is night and day. And uh, across the country and in, in uh, incubators, angel groups, I was just down at the Angel Association uh, conference last week, collaborative spa- spaces, the EDAs, there's um, a whole support network that's world-class throughout New Zealand, all over from our provinces through, through the metropolitan areas. There's an enormous amount of goodwill in terms of large companies looking to help smaller ones and giving free advice. Um, so it's, we've spoken a lot about the companies, but I think your, your, the point you highlight is incredibly important that we've got just this incredible um, ecosystem that's doing all it can, all it can to support these companies, which is a, just a beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, I know we've got gaps; it's not mm. all there yet. But um, you know, I think those that are that are able to fill the gaps, you know, we we need to be looking at it. How can we, you know, how can we help and how can we move move things forward? Yeah. yeah so, and if you're looking at sort of. And some of those gaps, the two of the biggest gaps have been obviously the, the people one that we've discussed in funding. Mm. We produce a, uh, a document that you can download uh, for free um, from our website on the Investor's Guide to New Zealand Technology Sector that presents a lot of the stuff that's actually in the TIN report, but a, a case for investing in the, in the tech sector. Um, in the past three years, um, venture capital investment um, in New Zealand between 2016 and 2018 tripled from 90 million to 270 million. To give you an idea of coming back to, let's talk about the short term, in just eight deals uh, between October and May this year from foreign companies alone, $336 million was invested. Wow, that's huge. So you say, if you say that to someone, they'll say, oh yeah, but what about Rocket Lab? That was probably all of it. Um, so if you take out Rocket Lab, the average deal size for the remaining companies was $17 million. You know, five years ago, you got $17 million into your company. You're on the front page of the business section of the Herald. And so there's a growing number of um, venture capital companies um, uh, f- from around the world, but particularly the United States and Australia, um, are investing in here in New Zealand and setting up offices in here. So New Zealand is increasingly recognised as a place where there are attractive deals, but it's also a sign that global capital uh, or capital is becoming more global. So that as a barrier is becoming less and less important. Mm. So we've got this just massive upside opportunity as the world discovers this. Great. Oh, thank you, Greg. Thank you, Appreciated Paul. having you yeah. on the show. Uh, now, a special thank you to the partners of the New Zealand Tech Podcast, uh, Sumo Logic, Vodafone, Spark, Vocus, HP, and Samsung. And it's those companies that make this sort of episode possible for us to do these oh. these special episodes and take you know time out outside of our usual schedule. Yep. Uh, so a huge thank you to those companies. And you know really it, it, it's the the companies and and some of them aren't New Zealand uh, mm. companies, but they're getting behind what's going on in the New Zealand tech sector uh, in their own way. So awesome, yeah, huge appreciation to those. And um, Greg, so if people want to find you, it's getting getting online and just googling. Tim 100 will bring yep. up the website. Yep, and yep. Um, phone our office and I'll, I'll uh, phone you back. And um, if you want to buy a report, do that. And for tech companies, um, sign up to our membership 
offering on the report. It's all quite quite clear, um, and we're you know welcome any uh, approach and only too keen to help any company that's um, looking for assistance in some ways. So, thanks for the opportunity. That's awesome. All awesome. right. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, everyone, for uh, listening. And for those that were watching into the live stream, uh, we'll catch you again on the next episode. All right. See ya. Thank you. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.